0: Time for the morning brief, where we bring in one of our heavy-hitting pundits for their views on some of the stories (laughs) that we're going to be talking about on the show today, or that I've already talked about. Preet Banerjee's chortling in the background there. You don't think of yourself as a heavy hitter? Uh,
1: No, I never have, really, when it comes to punditry, but I'll take it. Okay. So,
0: first of all, there's the whole idea of moving the Therme Spa to exhibition place. I like
1: it. Yeah, it seems like a reasonable thing to do, actually have a process where people can sort of take a look at the analysis and maybe weigh in on the consultation. And I think when it was initially uh, revealed what the plans were, I think a lot of people said, wait a second, what? And so I think it's maybe a sober second thought. But also, you know, exhibition plays. I don't know. It feels to me like it's just a little bit uh, long in the tooth. So maybe a little bit of a revitalization of Exhibition Place, maybe not the worst idea at all. So I'm curious to see what uh, the consultation reveals.
0: I mean, ideally, Preet, what we should do, I think, is figure out a way to get rid of uh, Lakeshore, you know, bury it or something. But that's not going to happen. <laughs> this is the, That is way too big a project for this city.
1: Yeah. And, you know, just looking the the Eglinton uh, cross, uh, Rail project yep. to see how long big projects take. And, you know, I just don't want to go down that road.
0: So the paramedics union says these code reds where we don't have enough ambulances to respond to every emergency call are actually a daily occurrence. They just don't sound the alarm because they don't want to be the boy who cried wolf. And I guess in sorting through all of this, I'm used to, you know, over the last 35 years in reporting on things, the paramedics union in Montreal and Toronto is always saying that we're up against the wall. So I don't know who to believe.
1: Yeah, I mean to a certain extent I guess unions have to do something, right? Um now that being said, there has been a lot of press in the last few months talking about the growing power of unions in a, a lot of recent negotiations, specifically in the US, but this is also being seen in Canada where they're winning big concessions, big pay hikes, um, and they've got a lot of uh, support from the public, which is really bolstering their favorability. Their favorability in the public support is, I don't think it's ever been quite as high as it's been. So this could be a time where if they really wanted to push this this issue, they could do that. They, they've talked about that You know, um, it's not so much a, an issue of offloading delays at the hospital, but uh, staffing shortages after years of under hiring. I'm assuming that's what the issue is, but if they wanted to press the issue, now is the time to do it because public seems to be behind unions right now. And if they want to get things changed, now is the time to try and do it as opposed to, again, just parroting the same thing over and over again and doing this dance over and over. So you want to do something, now is the time.
0: In uh, moving on to matters of economics, latest numbers from StatsCan suggest Canada might be edging closer to a recession. I mean, we were trying to slow the economy down. I guess the question is going to be, did we press the brakes too hard?
1: Yeah. And, you know, if you factor in population growth, um, the GDP per capita, um, some economists have been pointing out has been much more strongly negative than the overall GDP indicator suggests. So that's even more worrying and, And the Bank of Canada, when they talk about, you know, the impact of an interest rate change taking about 18 months to two years to work its way through the system, we have to work our way through a number of rapid increases. And so there's a lot more pain to come for a lot of people. I know a lot of households are already feeling stressed, not only with inflation, increasing the cost of everything, but also the increased cost of borrowing. But there's still some people who are, you know, in a fixed rate mortgage, relatively low rate. And they're just waiting for that renewal. And they know there's going to be pain. They just don't know how much. And the more people spend on interest, the less they can spend on other things. And those other things are the economy. So it doesn't really bode well.
0: Although when I look at this, you know, to perhaps labor a metaphor or an allegory, I kind of see, you know, inflation was a fire. So we threw a bucket of water on the fire and now everybody's complaining that things are wet.
1: Yeah and uh, again this is the the problem that the Bank of Canada and central bankers around the world have is they did a really bad job with the messaging early on. Um, They made steep increases arguably too late and the effects are going to be felt after the fire has been put out as you pointed out and so what I think a lot of people are kind of hoping is that interest rates will come down again. I don't think they're ever going to come back to the levels that we saw before and that's another problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and again, without spending too much time on the same topic, but I think it's worth exploring because every single person listening is affected by interest rates. But... um, we had unreasonably low interest rates for a good long time, during which, I mean, I'm one of the lucky ones. I took out, my first mortgage was in 2001. Uh, basically, most of my house is paid for now, so I've enjoyed that ride. But I think people got into the market thinking, okay, we're going to have these ridiculously stupid, almost uh, you know, negligible interest rates for the rest of our lives.
1: Yeah, and I think what we've learned is that that can't happen in the future because it leads to price speculation because the cost of money is effectively free. And that kind of behavior has led to the housing affordability that we have now. So I think whatever the other end of this looks like, that new normal, it's not going to look like the old normal, which was abnormal.
0: Andrew Seal has a column in the Globe and Mail today about what the workplace is going to look like as baby boomers exit. And I guess it's just the sheer numbers number. number of people who will be exiting, because it's not like people at the age of 65, wise as they might be exiting in the past, didn't somewhat impoverish our work pool.
1: Yeah, and um, I think the 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 challenges now is that a lot of people may have used 65 as an anchor before. Uh, I think that is becoming less and less of an anchor. Um, But I think one of the big takeaways from that article I had was the loss of institutional memory that comes from, especially larger organizations, which tend to be you know some of the backbones of our economy. Um, We lose a lot of lessons that were learned uh, from people who have a lot of experience, and if the The next generation Gen X seemingly have been passed up a lot of promotions because, you know. Boomers were there in force, um, then we kind of sort of skip down management to younger generations who may not have benefited from all that experience. You know, I'll give you just sort of a funny, sort of tangential uh, analogy. Sometimes you'll hear uh, someone who is maybe younger talking about, uh, you know, co sharing a rental as a way to tackle affordability. And someone else will point out, you've just invented roommates. Right? Yeah. And so that. It's kind of a funny analogy, but there are examples you could find in the business world like that. Some lessons lost uh, when boomers retire en masse is um, something that could impact the workforce for sure. Uh,
0: the immigration minister will unveil our new immigration strategy today. And I'm somewhat heartened to see that they're actually going to take things into consideration. Like, do we have enough houses?
1: Yeah, one of the biggest failures in my mind of having, you know, high immigration levels and targets before is that when you accept people into the country, but neglect to ensure that they have equal opportunity to build a traditional sort of Canadian life that we all sort of aspire to, you've, you've actually set them up for failure and not for success. So I'm very interested to see what they're going to do differently.
0: And uh, there is, in the offing, the possibility of building a gondola or a monorail system along Oshawa's Simcoe Street. Any excuse to play the song from The Simpsons?
1: (laughs) Yeah, listen, anything's better than the Edmonton Crosstown project, so I'm (laughs) all for it. Okay, see, I'm I'm
0: with, as long as you can afford it, I'm with um, Rob Ford, who said, subways, subways, subways.
1: Yeah, I think LRT is probably the way to go. Makes the most sense, but that seems to be too much common sense. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. Thank you, John.
0: Yeah, my complaint with uh, not so much a gondola, although they can be a bit of a visual blight, but certainly a monorail system. I mean, you got to create a, not a right-of-way, but I mean, you got to build the monorail so then you end up with this thing looming over a street and creating a psychological barrier in a town. So not a big monorail fan.